Well, I'm glad that you guys are here tonight. I know that God has some special things in store for us. I know we're going to learn a lot from the Word of God. And I just want to still continue to challenge you. If you continue to come out to these meetings, you're going to learn a lot about the Bible. In fact, people who go through these seminars, by the very end of the seminar, know more about the Bible than most ministers. I want to say that one more time. Those who go through this seminar learn more about the Bible than most ministers. And if the Word of God is worth everything to us, it is worth it to be here. Can you say amen to us? Well, some of the future topics, we talked about this. We're going to be getting into prophecy, Star Wars. That's tomorrow. That is a topic you do not want to miss. We're also going to get into the Antichrist finally revealed. You're going to see from Bible prophecy the identity of the Antichrist. In fact, you'll be the one that's going to make the, you'll be able to be the one that calls out the identity. We'll get into the mark of the beast, the thousand years. A lot of people have questions about the millennium. What happens during the thousand years? And you're going to see this very plain and simple from the word of God. What happens when you die? Why are there so many churches? We're also going to get into prophecies, health plan. And this is topic, these are topics you don't want to miss. By the way, what nights do we have off? Mondays and Thursdays. That's exactly right. So make sure you don't show up here Monday. And not here Thursday, but make sure you are here the rest of the days, Mondays and Thursdays. And this seminar only goes for three weeks, and then we are done. We are absolutely done with this seminar. But I promise you this, I'm going to continue to make this guarantee, that if you come out to the entire seminar, you don't miss one night, you're going to walk away from this just utterly changed, utterly changed. And by the way, there's no pyramid scheme at the end of this. Okay, I'm not going to say to you, and by the way, you need to buy our brand new product. And find five other people who are willing to sell that product as well. No, no, no. This is this. We are doing a service to the community. We want you to understand the word of God for yourself. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Well, why don't we start with the word of prayer right now. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much again for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for the word of God as well. And we know that each person who is here tonight is here because your spirit drew them out. Father, it could have just been a flyer on the door or somebody going around or something in the mail. But Lord, you brought us here to hear and understand something so special. You have interrupted our lives. And we thank you, God, because we know it is for our good. May each person walk away from this presentation tonight with their mind and their heart open to the plans of God. Thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'm going to do me a favor. I'm actually going to tie my shoe up here so I don't trip. So by the way, does everybody have a Bible or a pen or pencil or a study guide? You're going to need that. If you don't have that, just raise your hand and we're going to get that to you. If you need a Bible, a study guide, or a pen or pencil, just raise your hand and we're going to get that to you ASAP. Okay, we got somebody's hand raised over there. And uh, maybe we can get somebody going out over there. Okay, very good. Hey, very good. All right. Tonight's message is entitled, The End of the World. The End of the World. Is it fear or is it really near? The End of the World. Is it fear or is it really near? A lot of people ask questions about the end of time. A lot of people are asking questions about 2012. A lot of people are doing some unusual researching when it comes to the end of the world. We're living in a day and age where a lot of people are really asking questions. Is something big about to take place? 
You know, I was actually going through the laundromat, not through the laundromat, through the dry cleaner, and uh, the lady at the dry cleaner, wonderful woman, she stops me as we're about to leave, and she says to me, Anel, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. She says, is something big going to take place in 2012? And I wish I had a seminar flyer at that moment, but I didn't. But folks, I know that God has some awesome things in the Word of God. We don't need to look to some mind calendar, but we can actually go to the Word of God for ourselves and understand what Jesus says about the end of time. Can you say amen to that? And as we study the Word of God, you're going to find that the Word of God is clear, the Word of God is accurate, the Word of God is relevant, and the Word of God is sufficient. Amen? Yesterday we learned about the metal man image found in Daniel chapter what? Daniel chapter 2. That's exactly right. And we also learned that that metal man is actually a calendar. It's a what? Calendar. The head of gold represents Babylon. The chest of silver represents what? Medo-Persia, Medo yeah, the Medo-Persian Empire. We learned that the, the belly represents, the belly of bronze represents what? Greece. Greece. The legs represent what? Rome and the feet of iron and clay represent what? The divided world we now live in. That's exactly right. By the way, if you think I talk too fast, that's okay. There's a majority of people around me who think that as well. So, because of that, we have two things we're going to offer to you. And don't worry, they're all free. There's actually going to be a recording. You can actually get the CDs for these presentations. Or you can get them online if you'd like. And they're online, they're absolutely free. Afterwards, when you leave out, you walk away from here, you're going to be given a Bible study guide as well where you're able to take some of these same verses and check it out for yourself. Can you say amen to that? Because what are the three words we're going to say over and over again here? Check it out. That's exactly right. Now I'm going to borrow one of these study guides so we can go through it together. Thank you. Oh, got some in your ice cream. Okay. All right. The book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 11, describes very, something very interesting. It describes a group of people who were uh, just really, really complimented by Paul. But watch what the Bible says about this group of people. This group of people, their, name were, their names were the Bereans. What were their names? The Bereans. And they were from Berea. Now watch what the Bible says about Acts, chapter 17, verse 11. And the Bereans were more what? Noble. How would you like somebody to call you noble? You don't really hear those words today, right? That person is a noble person. Well, this is what was said about the Bereans, and this is why. And the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures, what? Daily, whether those things were so. Here's something to understand about the Berean Christians. Number one. The reason why they were called noble is that they had a readiness of mind. Their minds were open to receive the scriptures. Amen? And the second thing is, they actually verified the scriptures for themselves. Can you say amen to that? I mean, think about this. We're living in a day and age where sometimes you'll have preachers stand up and they'll say all sorts of things from the word of God and everybody will just say amen and what they're doing is that they're receiving things that are not coming from the word of God. We're living in a day and age where we need to check out what the Word of God says. Amen? For ourselves. Because here's the thing we need to understand. At the end of the day, God is not going to judge you based upon what I have showed you. He's going to judge you based upon what you have opened your heart to receive. 
Every person is judged on the, their own coattails between them and the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so that's why it's super important to search out what God is trying to communicate, especially in these end times. And I like what the Bible says about the Bereans. More noble than anybody else, more noble than those in Thessalonica, simply because they had a readiness of mind. They had sharp minds, and they were open, and they were engaging the scriptures, and they were studying it out for themselves to see whether or not those things were so. Because when Paul came to town, everybody was listening, but they need to make sure that Paul was right. Amen? And I promise you this, you're going to find things in the scriptures that are just, it's going to be straight from the word of God. And if I should present things that are not scriptural, don't come back. Amen? I'm actually telling you not to come back if I'm not presenting the word of God. You have that freedom. When's the last time a preacher told you that? Not to come to church. Right? I'm actually telling you not to come back if what I'm presenting is not from the scriptures. But you're going to find out that it is from the word of God and it is throughout the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Now you take a, take a good look. There's a pure form of religion and public life. They do a lot of surveys of Americans and they have spiritual questions they like to ask the American population. Questions like, what do you think about morals? What do you think about politics? Well, there was a survey done by this group not too long ago, and they asked some very interesting questions. They asked questions about the end of the world. They asked questions about the end of the world. They asked questions about the second coming. Now, here are some of the results. First question was this. Do you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ? 79% answered yes. 17% answered no. Another question that was asked, do you believe that Jesus will return to earth in your lifetime? 20% yes, said yes. 39% said no. And 14% says, we don't know. In the time of the second coming, is the time of the second coming revealed in biblical prophecies? 33% said yes. And 40% said no. Before the second coming, the world situation will worsen. 34% said yes. 37% says, we don't know. And you want, you want to know why they don't know? Because they're not reading the Bible. That's exactly right. They're not reading the scriptures for themselves. Can peoples and nations affect when Christ returns? 23% said yes, and 50% said no. Folks, we need to understand what the scriptures are teaching about the end of time. Can you say amen to that? Now watch what the Bible says in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 26. Luke 21, verses 25 through 26. Now why this verse is very interesting is because when I was putting this presentation together earlier today, I found that this verse was really popping out. And I want you to see what this verse is saying. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity. In other words, there's going to be confusion in this world. There's going to be unusual things taking place in space. Now watch what else the Bible says. You're reading it for yourself. I'm not giving you some interpretation. You're reading it for yourself. The sea and the waves roaring. We've had some recent tsunamis. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. You know, one of, one of the signs of the end times is this, that men are going to be afraid about what's going to take place next. And guess what? There's a new phenomenon that's breaking out. It's called doomsday prepping. 
doomsday prepping. I'm going to actually introduce you to a few doomsday preppers. This guy's name is Pat Brabble. He actually has over 60 different guns. He has over $1,900 worth of alcohol. He believes that the world is going to come through. It's going to be, uh, there's going to be anarchy that's going to break out, and it's going to take place through hyperinflation. He believes that our economical system, our monetary system, is actually going to break down, and what he is doing is preparing for this by stockpiling guns and alcohol for bartering. <laughs> we just read in the Gospel of Luke, that men are going to be afraid of what's going to take place on this earth. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to start asking questions. And some are thinking are going to prepare. Let's keep going. Let's undiscover some more. How about this guy, Preston White? He believes that there's going to be a nuclear accident. In fact, he believes that, um, that since the, uh, the um, meltdown that took place in, uh, in Japan, actually, he believes that there is a nuclear cloud that's actually going overhead and eventually is going to reach America. And he believes that he needs to stockpile seeds. Unfortunately, this individual got arrested not too long ago for smuggling pot. <laughs> Donna Nash. Donna Nash. She's actually stockpiling a lot of medicine. She's stockpiling a lot of sanitation kits. She's stockpiling a lot of antibiotics because she believes there's going to be a worldwide pandemic. These people are not spending hundreds of dollars. They are spending thousands of dollars because they believe something big is about to take place. These are not religious people. Even the world themselves are, even people in the world are recognizing something's wrong with our planet. And that's exactly what the Gospel of Luke says, that men's heart will fill them with the expectation of things that are coming. They see big things are happening in this world, and they're getting scared. And so you know what they're doing? Instead of searching the Word of God, they're prepping. But folks, we need to understand what the Word of God says. That's the best way we can prep. Amen? This individual, Dennis McClung, He's preparing for a coronal mass injection, that's a solar flare, in 2012 that would likely take out the electrical grid and knock civilization back to the Stone Age. He's actually set up a hydrophonics plant or farm in his backyard and daily eats tilapia fish that's in his pond. Okay, this individual believes that something big is about to take place in 2012. The electrical grid is about to be knocked out, and the world is going to go haywire, and anarchy is about to break out. See what the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke? That men's hearts will fail them because they know something big is about to take place. We're seeing it happen right before our very eyes. But folks, this is why it's super important to be here. This is why it's super important for yourself for your family, owe it to your family to discover what the Word of God is saying. Amen? Amen. To your own family. Luke chapter 21, verse 31. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is what? Near. Near. We're told in Scripture, we don't know the day nor the time, but or the day nor the hour, but we're told that we can know when the time is near. And folks, by just taking a good look at all the events, we know that something big is about to take place, something that wasn't happening 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Something cataclysmic is about to take place, and God wants us to understand what the Word says. Amen? Now let's take our Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. The disciples came up to Jesus one day, and they asked him a very interesting question. They wanted to know what the end of time looked like. So take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, that's page 960 
in your seminar Bibles. By the way, if you need a Bible or pen or pencil or study guide, just raise your hand and we'll get one to you ASAP. Page 960. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. amen. All right. Now let's start with verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the what? Age. The disciples were essentially asking, Lord, what's it going to look like when you come back? What's it going to look like at the end of time? And what Jesus does next, he begins to give a veritable grocery list of end time events. Now take a good look at the next verse. Verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one, what? Deceives you. So what's the first thing on the list to be careful about? Deception. Deception. The Bible actually warns, Jesus himself warns, at the end of time, one of the great signs that will take place is worldwide deception. Well, let's continue. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive, how many? Many. Notice what the Bible is saying. Jesus is making it very clear that at the end of time, right before he comes back, there's going to be this religious confusion. There's going to be a lot of counterfeits. They're going to walk around and they're going to say that I am Christ. By the way, you know what the word Christ means? It means Messiah. Do you know what the word Messiah means? It means anointed. So what are these people essentially saying? They're saying, I'm anointed by God. Now, how many times have you heard that? Well, there's a lot of religious people that say that. But the problem is, is when they contradict the scriptures, we need to follow the word of God, not any person. Amen? The word of God and what it teaches. And you can take a look. Just in the last 50 years, you see this rash of breakouts of these false Christs. And by the way, you want to know the difference between a false Christ and a false prophet? A false Christ is somebody who claims to be Christ, and a false prophet is somebody who claims to be a preacher for Christ. A prophet was somebody who preached for Christ. And this is very interesting because Jesus is making it very clear that there is going to be a rash of false Christ and false prophets, and they will deceive some. Is that what it says? Many, many. And you just see, just take a good look. You took out, take a good look at some of these names. Remember Marshall Applegate? He led about uh, a group of people to commit suicide, right? Remember that Kool-Aid and the Nikes? That was him. Jim Jones, well-known in California. And this guy, Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda, he's alive right now. And he claims to be the king of kings, and he boasts over a million followers. He says that he is Jesus Christ himself. He actually has his followers tattooed 666 on their ankles. Very strange. The Bible warned about it, right? God talked about these things before it would take place, and we're seeing it happen right before our very eyes. Folks, these are the times that we need to open our eyes to what the Scriptures are teaching. These are so important. It'd be foolish for us to say, you know what? I'm not going to see what the Word of God says. I'm going to close that Bible, put it right back on that bookshelf. Folks, that's dangerous. We need to see for ourselves what the Bible is teaching. Amen? And by the way, if God is warning you, it's because He loves you. Amen? He loves you, and he's trying to save you from something you may not understand. Well, what else was there? Keep going. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24 again. I want you to see what the scriptures are saying for themselves. Look at verse 6. And you will hear of what? Wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You know what a news agency, a news report, it was a U.S. 
uh, World New U.S. News and World Report, they came out with this article not too long ago, and they were showing there were all these nations that were in war, and they said, now at war, one in every four nations. That was actually, you took out the word four right there. I apologize for that. And you see the statistics. If you look out into the Middle East, the Far East, you will find many nations are at war. These days, we're fighting shadow wars. You want to know what shadow wars are? In other words, it's a war that's not known to the rest of public, but it's a war being fought by nations. And you see all sorts of sabotage and assassinations that are taking place right before our very eyes. These are called shadow wars. In the last 50 years, these are just some of the nations that have been at war. And you just see this, just this uh, plentitude of all this fighting and strife taking place. Jesus said, hey, right before I come back, there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars. Nations that are at war and nations that are ready to be at war. These are things that Jesus has warned about. By the way, 60, 70 years ago, people might say the same thing. And you would say, wait just a second. They said those things back then and it still hasn't taken place. But guess what? Back then, nuclear warheads were not even developed. We're now living in a day and age where people, by just a press of a button, can destroy thousands of people. War is being fought on a whole new dimension. And these are the things that Jesus talked about that would take place right before he would return. And sure enough, it is. Well, let's keep going. Jesus talked about earthquakes, earthquakes that take place in various places, meaning all over the world. And sure enough, according to the USGS, the United States Geological Survey, three of the strongest six earthquakes since 1900 have occurred in the last eight years. The Japanese earthquake hasn't been added yet, but it was a magnitude 9.0. And if you take a look at the 12 strongest earthquakes since 1900, only one occurred before 1950, and 11 of the 12 have occurred since 1950. You take a good look at some of the graphs, and you see just in the last few years, there's been this rash of earthquakes that are taking place all over the world. And guess what? It's just a, a matter of time before it happens in California. A really big one. A lot of times we're thinking, well, it happens way over there in Asia. It happens all the way over on the East Coast. And we're sometimes, we're, we think to ourselves, we're inoculated from that ever taking place in Modesto, California. But guess what? Sooner or later, it's going to hit. But Jesus warned us. But if we have confidence in the word of God, the Lord can deliver us out of those things. Can you say amen to that? Just like he delivered righteous lot during the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, God can take care of us. Amen? Now, the second coming, Jesus talked about the second coming. Everybody, take your Bible. Let's go to John chapter 14. The second coming is not just earthquakes and disasters and all sorts of doom and gloom. The second coming is also a coming of hope. Can you say amen to that? Well, what did Jesus say in John chapter 14? If you have the page number, go ahead and call it out. 142. I'm sorry, 1042. 142 would have kept us in the book of Genesis. Okay. John chapter 14, are we all there? Now watch what Jesus is saying to his followers. A message of hope. Take a good look at this. Verses 1 to 3. Let not your heart be what? Troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where you go, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus made it very clear that one day he was going to return for his people, but in the meantime, he would be preparing a place. 
Now, a lot of people look at this verse, and they don't know what it really means when Jesus says, preparing a place. What is he actually doing in heaven? You keep coming to this seminar, you're going to actually find out what Jesus is doing in heaven right now. Let's take a good look at this. John chapter 14. The person, Jesus Jesus and his angels. The promise to come back. The place to earth. The period, the end of time. And the purpose to take his people back to heaven. Can you say amen to that? That's what's exciting about the second coming. And here's a few things to understand about the second coming. You're going to get your facts straight from the word of God. The second coming is actual. Can you say amen to that? The second coming is visible. The second coming is audible. The second coming is powerful. The second coming is inevitable. And the second coming is joyful. Amen. Joyful for the people of God. Actual return. This is no fake return. This is no spiritual return. When Jesus promises to return, he means it. Can you say amen to that? Well, let's see what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This same Jesus, one day Jesus was at the very end of his uh, earthly time, and he was telling his disciples, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. And as he was ascending to heaven, all the disciples were looking up at the clouds, and they're just seeing him disappear. And they look down, and all of a sudden these angels say to them, This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you what? Saw him go into heaven. The angels make it very clear. As you visibly observe Jesus going into heaven, he's going to come in the same way in which you can see it for yourself. Jesus is actually going to return. Can you say amen to that? And that's the blessed hope we have as believers in the word of God. A very visible return. Look what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the what? Clouds, and a few eyes will see him. Is that what the Bible says? Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. The Bible makes it very clear that our eyes will see Jesus. In fact, you know one of the deceptions that are taking place at the end of time? The Lord talked about it, and we'll get into this a little bit. It's regarding his second coming. Jesus made it very clear that there would be a deception regarding his second coming. You're saying, well, why would that be taking place? Did the devil do it the first time? Oh, you better believe it. Do you remember what he had the whole world believing when Jesus was about to come to the earth? He had the whole world believing that Jesus, the Messiah, would come to destroy all the Romans and all the oppressors of Israel. But Jesus came as a humble shepherd servant. And the people were so blown away by this. Wait a minute. This can't be the Messiah because of his humility. Folks, the devil used it one time. He's going to use it again. We need to see what the word of God is saying for ourselves. Amen? Matthew chapter 24, verses 20 through 20, verse 27. Take your Bible. Let's go there. I want you to see what Jesus compares his second coming to. This is extremely important. Matthew chapter 24. Page 960. Let's actually back up. Let's go to verse 23. I'm going to show you something very interesting. Jesus compares his second coming to lightning. But let's start with verse 23. Then if anybody says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. Now I want you to pay attention to what Jesus is saying one more time. Therefore, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. You want to know why you shouldn't believe it when someone points out the second coming to you? Because no one should have to point out the second coming to you. Does that make sense? 
the very fact is that if someone actually points out the second coming to you and say, hey, by the way, did you see Jesus? He just came by. That's deception. The Bible makes it very clear that every eye will see him. We're going to be immediately drawn to the heavens when it takes place. Let's keep going. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Jesus is making it very clear. Look, I'm telling you, you're going to see this for yourself when it's taking place. Verse 26, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Look at verse 27, for as lightning, what does Jesus compare his second coming to? Lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, all across the sky. It fills up the entire sky like a giant camera, blows up the entire sky. Look what he says, comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Can you say amen to that? Jesus compares the second coming to a natural phenomenon called lightning. You know, when I was younger, I had this thing I used to do to always scare my mom. My mom is just terrified of lightning. She says all the children to go inside the house, okay? But I'd always scare my mom because when lightning and thunder would take place and my mom would hear it, I'd go running outside, running around the tree. I had this really <laughs> malicious way of scaring my mom. And my mom would come screaming at me, come inside the house, come inside the house. Because the world knows, whoever they are, everyone in the world knows that when lightning is just shining through the sky, it is lighting up everything. Amen? It catches everybody's attention, right? And that's what Jesus compares the second coming to. An audible return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's go there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. By the way, you can find Thessalonians in the New Testament because all the books in the New Testament that start with T are actually grouped together. And they're alphabetized, too, as well. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. We're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1136, thank you very much. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 15. I want you to see what the Bible is saying for itself, because you yourself need to examine the scriptures. And this is Paul writing to some of the believers there because some of the believers had fallen asleep. They had passed away. And a lot of people were wondering, when is Jesus going to come back? When is he going to resurrect our loved ones? And a lot of people were looking for that second coming to take place. And Paul begins to describe the second coming and to provide comfort for the believers. Look what he says in verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul is saying, look, what I'm about to say to you is based upon the scriptures. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, talking about those people who make it to the very end, will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend with, from heaven with a what? Shout. Does that sound like a quiet word? No. With the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of what? I mean, these are words that are indicating this is going to be a very audible, a very loud hearable return. Can you say amen to that? Let's continue. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, what's that next word? Comfort one another. Folks, you know what Jesus says? He says that we, he inspired Paul to write this, says that we need to find our comfort in the second coming of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? And that's what the early church pointed the believers to, to that day when Jesus would come back and put an end to suffering and sin and the destruction that takes place in this world. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. That's a powerful verse. Do not forget it. 
a powerful return. Jesus makes it very clear it's going to be a powerful return. Look what the Bible says in Jeremiah 25, verse 30. The Lord will roar from on high, and at that day the slain of the Lord shall be from one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth. When God comes back, it's going to be a loud, it's going to be a powerful, a very audible, a very visible, actual return. Can you say amen to that? You never tell a child when they're making some noise and their time for them to be quiet, you don't say to them, okay, I want you to be very quiet, but all you can do is shout and use a trumpet. You don't say things like that, right? Because you know if they're shouting and they're using a trumpet, it's not going to be quiet. And so when Paul is using those words, shout and trumpet, he's saying, look, this is going to be a powerful return. In fact, when you study the book of Matthew, chapter 25, you see that word trumpet come up again. It uses the word trump, that at the second coming, there's going to be a loud bum ba bum trumpet. When you read the book of Exodus chapter 19, one day Moses was talking to God, and God tells Moses, I'm going to come down to meet the people. And Moses said, okay, I'll get the people ready. And all, all the people right there surrounding the mountain, all of a sudden the Bible says a loud trump was heard. Bum, ba -da -bum. God was beginning to descend. You can read the story in Exodus 19. But you know what took place? The people were so afraid, they began to run from God. They actually told Moses, tell God, we don't want to talk to him. You talk to him. But God was coming to comfort them. But you know what comes with the king? A loud, mighty trumpet. Amen? And those angels are going to be making a lot of noise. And God himself is just going to be pulling out that trumpet. Bum, ba -da -bum. It's going to be a loud, a very powerful event when Jesus returns. Amen? And it's going to be sweet music to the people of God. The inevitable return. Matthew chapter 24, verses 32. Verse 32. Now watch what Jesus says. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. He says, I want you to study out this tree. When its branches have already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see what? All these things. And guess what? We're now seeing the signs of the times. And Jesus is saying, when you're seeing all these things taking place right before you, look what he says, know that it is near at the doors. Jesus is saying, look, when you're seeing these things, you know it's near. 60, 70 years ago, people weren't seeing these things. But now we're seeing these things, and Jesus is saying, when you're seeing them, you're going to know, I'm on my way back. Amen? Matthew 24, verse 32. A very joyful return. A joyful return for who? The people of God. Those who God has made ready. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. To those who, what's that next word? Eagerly wait for him. Do you want to eagerly wait for Jesus? Now a lot of times when you hear the, the message about the second coming, for some people it just invokes this fear. And some people will hear the second coming and they're like, no, 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 I want nothing to do with that. I'm going to close my Bible. That's enough doom and gloom. But for those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Folks, this is what this life is all about. The fact that you're hearing this message is, to me, a very clear indication that God wants to prepare you for his return. He wants you to be excited, and he'll put that excitement in you. You may be somebody who's thinking to yourself, Lord, I don't know why you're coming back. I love this world a little too much. But God is saying to you, look, I have something for you you have no idea about. Even Paul said in Acts, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, look, I saw a vision of heaven. 
And he says, let me tell you about this vision of heaven. It blew my mind away. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that eye has not seen nor ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. If you get just one glimpse of heaven and what's really, really there, you're never going to want to come back to this earth. God has so much to show you, folks, and he wants to take you home to see all that he has created. Can you say amen to that? And this is why we're here. This is why we need to continue in this seminar, because God wants to give you a hope and a love for his soon return. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul had the same hope. Look what the Bible says. This is his last letter, actually, before he was executed. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, finally... There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me when? On that day, and not only to me, but to also all who have loved his what? Appearing. Do you love the second coming yet? Folks, God wants to come back for you. He wants to not only take you, but he wants to take your loved ones back. And you may be the key to their salvation. God may have you here tonight and for the rest of this seminar because he is trying to save your family and he has chosen you for such a time as this. Can you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. I believe the Spirit of God is doing some awesome things here. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 and 34. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he will say to those on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God is anxious to give you this kingdom, folks. And we learned yesterday from Daniel chapter 2, we are living at the proverbial toenails of time. Amen? We're right there. Remember the rock that comes from the sky. Doesn't come at the time of Babylon. It doesn't come during the time of Medo-Persia. It doesn't come during the time of Greece. It doesn't come during the time of Rome. It comes during the time when the world is divided, the time we're now living in. Folks, Jesus is trying to wake us up. He's trying to wake us up from the sleep that this world gives to us, and it just helps us just become more lackadaisical and to be in this trance where we just go along with all the motions. But God is trying to wake us up, and he says, look, I'm on my way back, and I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. That's what God wants. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. For the time will come. This is Paul running under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, guess what? There's going to be a time that's coming. Well, what time is that, Paul? And what's it going to look like? Look what he says. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know what Paul is saying? He says the time is going to come when people aren't going to listen to the word of God. And they rather follow a myth and a lie over what the scriptures are teaching. Folks, I've shared these Bible studies with people, and some people will say, well, that's really great. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for stimulating my mind. And they'll walk away, and they'll just close that Bible, and it means nothing to them. And they'd rather go follow the world than follow this beautiful truth that God is saying, look, I'm trying to get you ready. God is trying to get you ready. And by the way, when you take a good look at Revelation chapter 22, and God describes, verse 14, I believe, and he describes those who are inside the holy city and those who are outside, the reason why most of the people are outside, the Bible says, is because they loved and practiced a lie. Folks, God wants you to love and practice the truth. Amen? He wants you to know the truth, and that's why he's revealing it to you tonight. Well, let's find out what type of things... 
that men are following, men and women are following, that's not in accordance with the scriptures. We need to see what the Bible teaches for itself. Amen? Now, there's something that's taken place, and a lot of pastors have been preaching about it. And it involves a certain time that will take place during the end of time when just men and women are just going about their lives when all of a sudden some of them are just going to disappear. And in the midst of just their, their daily life, all of a sudden they're just going to disappear and their clothes are going to left, be left behind. Some are just going to be there and all of a sudden they're talking to their buddy, they're talking to their friend, all of a sudden they disappear. And a lot of preachers are talking about this and this term is called the secret rapture. The secret rapture. But you're going to discover from Scripture. From where? Scripture. scripture. Not what I'm saying. From what the Scriptures are teaching. That this is not a biblical teaching. Just as the devil fooled many people about Jesus' first coming. The world is being fooled about the second coming. But I want you to see the facts for themselves. Amen? The word rapture does not appear anywhere in the Bible actually. The rapture theory consists of three different points. Number one, the rapture is this. When the church is caught up, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, does not take place at the visible second coming of Jesus, but seven years before it. Point number two, those who miss the rapture will have a second chance during the seven years of tribulation to be saved. To be saved. Point number three of the rapture theory, the church will escape the tribulation and will not have to face the Antichrist in the mark. Folks, you're going to discover that these are not biblical teachings. I'm going to show you straight from the word of God what the Bible teaches about his second coming. Look what, the, look what else we learn about this whole left behind phenomenon. By 2005, the series had made over $650 million and had completely revitalized the Christian fiction market. There's a reason why it's called fiction, folks, because it's not truth. Now take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 18, verses 22 through 37. And you're going to see that this is not a biblical teaching. I want you to see these phrases that are used, left behind, a thief in the night. And you're going to see the context of those things. And you're going to see that they have been taken out of context. Okay? Take your Bible. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. 10, 15. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, we're going to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verses 22 to 37. Seems my brain was left behind earlier today. Okay. Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 22. Jesus is talking about the second coming, and I want you to see the word rapture does not appear in the second coming. There is no invisible second coming. There is none of this idea that there are going to be certain believers going to be raptured up. When Jesus comes the second time, it's going to be loud, it's going to be powerful, it's going to be visible, it's going to be inevitable, it's going to be an awesome return, and that's when Jesus takes the believers home. Well, let's see for ourselves. Luke chapter 17, verse 22. Are we all there? Amen. The days will come when you would desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them. For as lightning that flashes out of one part of under heaven shines through the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. Look at verse 25. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Now pay attention to verse 26. And as it was in the days of who? Noah, Noah so shall it be when the days, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. By the way, how many groups of people were there during Noah's time? 
Two, you had the righteous and then you had the unrighteous. The righteous got into Noah's ark and they were saved and the unrighteous were outside of the ark. What happened to those who were outside the ark? Well, there was, they were lost. Well, let's keep going. Verse 29, but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When Lot was taken out, him and his family, by angels, there were two groups of people. There were those who were inside the city and there were those who were being escorted outside the city, right? And those who were inside the city, what happened to them? They were destroyed. Now notice this. In the context, you're seeing there are only two groups of people, not three groups of people. There's not this one small group that's going to be taken out, and then there's going to be seven years where that other group is going to be have time to repent. No, no. You're seeing only two groups of people. I want you to see it for the Bible itself, okay, what the scriptures are teaching. Let's keep going. Verse 31. In the day he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. Two groups of people. Remember Lot's wife. Look at verse 33. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Verse 34. I will tell you in the night there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken and the other what? Left. Now I want you to notice this. Two groups of people. What is happening to the group that's left behind? Actually, the context is... The, those who are left behind are those who are saved, and those who are taken away, by that same verb, are those who are destroyed. There's not three groups of people. There's actually two groups of people here. Let's keep going. Look at verse 35. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, and the other what? How many groups of people are there? Two. One is saved, and one is what? Lost. Plain and simple. There are not three groups of people here. There's only... Two groups of people, right? We learned about Noah's time. Two groups of people. We learned about Lot's time. Two groups of people. We learned about those who are in the field. Two groups of people. Those who are working. Two groups of people. One is saved and one is what? Lost. There is no second chance when Jesus comes back. There's not this secret rapture that takes place. When Jesus is coming back, he's going to save those who follow him and those who aren't are going to be destroyed. There's only two groups of people at the end of time, not three Let's keep going. Verse 36. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other what? So what is happening to one group of people? They're being saved. And what is happening to the other group of people? Lost. But you know what's taking place with this whole left behind secret rapture theory? These verses are being taken out of context and they're put into a complete different context and made to say something that they're not saying. You know, one day I was with somebody, and I was sharing this. They said, I want to know about the secret rapture if it's really biblical. And I took them simply to Luke chapter 17. And I showed them, look, there's not three groups of people. There's not an invisible rapture. You see from Scripture, when Jesus comes back, that's it. There's one group that's saved, and there's one group that's lost. And he saw it clear as crystal, and he was looking at it, and he said, you know what? I see it. It is very biblical. It is very biblical. Biblical. Folks, we cannot deny what the scriptures are teaching, right? Well, what about this idea about God coming as a thief in the night? Well, take a good look at what 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says. But the day of the Lord will come like a what? Thief in the night. Is that a secret rapture? Well, let's see how secret it is. In which the heavens will pass away with a great what? Does that sound like a secret coming? 
No, no, no. That sounds like when God comes back, it's going to be loud. It's going to be powerful. God is going to come as a thief in the night, not describing what he is taking, but describing that the people will not be ready for his second coming. And that's why we need to understand the Bible. Amen? But when he comes back, notice this. He will come back with a great what? Noise. noise. It is going to be loud. It is going to be powerful. It's going to be audible. It's going to be hearable, folks. When Jesus comes like a thief in the night, it's going to blow this world apart. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This is no quiet, secret rapture. It is a loud, powerful second coming. Amen? Amen. Folks, you see it very clearly. And where did this come from? Where did this idea of this secret rapture came from? come from? It actually came during the Dark Ages. In 1590, Francis Ribiera, he was a Jesuit priest, published a commentary on the book of Revelation as a counter-interpretation to the prevailing view among Protestants. Ribiera denied the Protestant scriptural antichrist, 2 Thessalonians, as seated in the church of God asserted by Augustine, Jerome, and Luther, and many reformers. The result of his work was a twisting and a maligning of prophetic truth. A lot of the reformers were pointing their, their finger and saying, no, 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 what's taking place is biblical. And what was taking place was that all the reformers were saying, wait a second, this Antichrist power is fitting the description right here. But the church at that time, the Roman church system said, wait a second, we don't like the finger being pointed at us. What we're going to do is tell everybody the prophecies are off in the future. And what began to take place was this idea of a secret rapture. This is where that theology developed, and it began to be incorporated by several ministers. One woman had a vision of it. But folks, we need to follow the word of God, not what men are teaching. Amen? Look, those who are even teaching and preaching it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. He loves them, and those people are so searching. But for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen? We've got to follow the Bible for ourselves. That's what God is going to hold us accountable for. Did you follow the truth I revealed to you? And I promise you this, that as you continue to come to the seminar, you're going to see truth unfold like never before. When Jesus comes back, it is going to be powerful. It is going to be awesome. Amen? It's going to be an exciting event. And God wants you to be ready. Look what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, the family of God, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Folks, God wants us to be awake to what's happening to the world around us. He doesn't want us to be deceived in regards to the second coming. He wants us to understand these very times. And I, folks, I believe this with my whole heart that if you are hearing the word of God now, it's because Jesus is trying to prepare you. He wants to give you that hope, that eager anticipation for his soon return. And when you begin to understand this blessed hope, Folks, all of a sudden you begin to understand there is a God in heaven, a God in heaven right now who is saying to you, I want to come for you. I want to come for you. And these special times, God has purposes and plans for your life. And he wants to reveal these things to you because he wants you to reveal those things to other people as well. These are special times that we're living in. Remember what Paul says? Paul says that God has a crown, not only for me, 
but for all those who have loved his appearing, who love it, who are excited about his soon return. Are you excited about his soon return? God wants to come back for you, folks. I believe with my whole heart he wants to come back, and he made a promise. And if you don't believe the promise, you know what you're saying? You're saying God's a liar. But God's no liar, amen? And he made it very clear. He says, I'm coming back. I want to come back for you. Because I have a spot in heaven reserved for you. And not just for you, but for your family too. Do you want to be saved one day, church family? Do you want to be saved, family of God? I know you do. You want to be ready for the second coming of Jesus? God wants to prepare you. And he says the first step is not only just to say yes, but to follow the word of God. To believe the scripture. Do you want to believe the scripture tonight? About his soon return, his promise, raise your hand if that's your, if that's your decision, amen, amen. Well, church family, I want to invite you to keep coming because tomorrow night is going to be such a powerful topic. The devil will do everything in his power to keep you away from it. I promise you this, the topic is called the war of the stars. It is something you don't want to miss. It involves not only your salvation, but the salvation of this whole world, and it is something you cannot miss. It is so important. These are the times, folks, we need to be ready. And by the way, as you're leaving, there's going to be a free study guide for you to take home and check out these verses for yourself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. God, that you have called us to be a people who you want to prepare for your soon return. And we want to understand this topic more. Lord, there's more to be understood. And God, we're not claiming that we know it all, but we are claiming, God, that you are revealing the scriptures to us. And what you have revealed to us, we see it plainly. And God, we just pray you to continue to lead us and guide us on the path. Help us not to turn away. You said the path of the just is like the shining sun, which shines brighter and brighter. Bless each person, God. May they go home with their hearts stirred, knowing there's a God in heaven who's waiting to return. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.